This talk is supported by SmallPDF, the successful Swiss scale-up making PDF easy for over a billion people around the world since 2013. You may remember them from a previous podcast we hosted with their CEO, Dennis Just. Their mission is to make PDFs and life easy for people across the world, a mission made possible with their 90-plus amazing employees across Zurich, Belgrade and Barcelona. If you want to join this fast-growing Swiss scale-up, visit smallpdf.com forward slash Swisspreneur and apply. When I was in, in consulting, people slept three, four hours a night. Some, some people were really bragging, hey, another, another all-nighter works work through. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Andreas, a warm welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you, Silvan. It's great to be here. You're the co-founder and chairman at Daxmayan, a company that develops innovative clothing for better sleep. Before we talk about the company, what we actually do, I want to learn more about your personal background. You actually studied finance and also completed your MBA in the UK. Are MBAs overrated or are they actually beneficial for your startup journey? I think an MBA is, I mean, generally education is a good thing to, to, be, to be a startup entrepreneur or an entrepreneur or start in a corporate career anyways. And an MBA is a great, is a great way how to, how to advance your career, advance your, advance your skills. So I learned a lot of, a lot of things about commercial, commercial terms, commercial situations. For me, it was great to do an MBA in, uh, in an Anglo-Saxon world because Anglo-Saxon is very different uh, how they look at business, how they train people, how they, how they provide insights. It's all case-based. So I really learned a lot uh, with my MBA. So I cannot say this is overrated. I, th- I think MBA is a, great, uh, is a great start for any uh, kind of entrepreneur. Do you think it's a mandatory step to take for all the entrepreneurs? Absolutely not. In the end... A successful uh, startup is, is a combination of multiple skills. And normally what you, what you see, what really works is a startup where, where you have some technical um, founders, people that are really, I mean, it depends what you, what you do, but have a natural, a natural science background, have deep, uh, deep IT background, and have some commercial people on the, on the, on the ground. Sometimes uh, these skills can be found in one person, but it's very rare. So it's normally a good thing to have some commercial people combined with technical people. This is really the good source for a good startup. I fully agree. You then actually also went on to work for corporates, namely UBS, ABB, Strategy and What actually motivated you to go into the corporate world instead of starting your own company right after your studies? I started actually with, with uh, founding a consulting company during my, my studies. And so for me, this was then a bit a natural way to do it right and do it real. Because what, what I realized uh, during my studies when I, when I had this student, uh, student consulting company was that we had a lot of, uh, lot of opinions, but not really the experience. And so I really wanted to, to learn it right and learn the profession of be, uh, being a consultant. And then I started, and, and consulting is a strange, is a strange animal. You, you're there, every year is up, is up or out, and then you say, okay, let's do another year, do another year. And then suddenly I was, I was 20 years in, in consulting, and it was never my plan. I had a great time. It's a great, it's a great way to, to start a career. Would I do it again? Absolutely. Would I stay again for 20 years? Probably not. 
So it was really the the next career step that kept you going and also kept you in the in the corporate world. Absolutely. I mean, consulting is a is a nice is a nice field. You work on on very interesting topics. You you work with smart people. I had a chance to work in about uh, thirty different countries. I, I worked in. Brazil, Saudi Arabia, India, Pakistan, just to name, to name a few. And so this was a super nice experience to go around and work on, on super nice uh, and, uh, and exciting topics. And at the same time, you, of course, when you actually step up the career ladder, you also make more money. So I could imagine then to switch from the corporate world where you had a very good position, you had a great career, to then switch to the entrepreneur, to the startup world. That must have been quite a shift for you. So what motivated you to take that step? Absolutely. I mean, this was, this was an, 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 a big step, but also an overdue step. I always wanted to be founding my own business. I mean, I started, I started uh, with my own business when I was six years old, painting, painting stones and going around uh, to my neighbors <laughs> and trying to sell, sell them off. Never, never really materialized, but I, I had something in me that always wanted to build something and build, and build, uh, build a business. And so I, I always had this in me. Uh, also, after I mean, during my studies, I founded my first company. Then later on, when I when I did my MBA, I really wanted to found my, my own company. But then I went back to consulting. But I always had this idea in me that I want to do something on my on my own. And for me, then the trigger was, I mean, I started my my career with with Coopers and Librand. And then the company, I mean, it, it merged with uh, PW to become PricewaterhouseCoopers. Then the consulting arm was sold to IBM. Then I moved on to a company called Booth Allen Hamilton, which then split into Booth and Company. And then ultimately Booth and Company was sold again to PwC. So this was a full, a full circle. I was, I was back where I was 20 years earlier. And this was then the reason for me to, to rethink my, my career, my life and, and say, okay, now is really the moment to do it. But wasn't that difficult to also let go of that, you know, nice salary and the security and safety that you built up over the years? Absolutely, absolutely. It was a, a, a major step to to get out, to get out. But as I said it was it was overdue, and and uh, at the time I had the right partner to start uh, this venture, and so it felt like a natural a natural next step as well. And you also mentioned that you already started, you know, selling things when you were six years old. Where does that entrepreneurial drive come from? Do you have any role models in the family that sort of shaped your understanding of entrepreneurship? A little bit. I mean, my, my dad was, was an entrepreneur, but more so than being an entrepreneur, he, he always showed me you can basically uh, do whatever you think is right. Just make it, just make it right and, and, make, it, and make it real. And you are ultimately the, the master of your own destinies. This is what I learned from my dad. And so becoming an entrepreneur was, was a bit the theme I, I got from, from him. We had some entrepreneurs in the family before, um, but not really. So, so for me, it was really, I mean, starting a textile business like what, what we did was, was really a first step in, in the wider family. <laughs> Great. So you actually started your own company in 2017, Ducks Me On, together with your co-founder, Katarina. First of all, you make innovative sleepwear. How, how the hell on earth did you end up in the, in the sleepwear industry? Well, this is a question I, I asked myself many, many times. And uh, lots of my friends asked this question very openly or, 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 or closely behind the, behind the doors when I, when I had this idea. But it, it was really the idea to, to become an entrepreneur. And, and for me, this, the starting point was to have the right partner to, to start with. So together with my, with my partner, Katerina, we decided we want to we wanna 
leave our corporate careers and the second half of our professional life, we want to do something on our own. And with that, we, we took a very analytical approach. So we, we thought about what are the mega trends for the next 20 years. So it, then we ended with the topic of self-care, uh, self-optimization, personal health, which is in our view one of the key trends that is here and only starts, only starts to grow. They thought about what are relevant capabilities we, we have. I mean, neither, neither of us worked in textile before, but I worked a lot in multiple industries and in multiple topics as, as a strategy consultant. My partner, she was in, in marketing uh, for, for a health company. So, so we had some, some relevant capabilities. And then we thought this is a, this is a great topic to, to start because we really saw within the self-care uh, movement, sleep is a, a topic that is rediscovered. We do a lot of sports, so we invest a lot of money into, into functional sportswear, which you then use only a couple of hours every, every year. It, it matters. Huh? I mean, function is, is something nice, but, but function really matters for, for what, you, what you spend one third of your life right. uh, in. And, and this is sleep. And why should you not expect this function from the sportswear in, in sleepwear as well? And for us, this was really the point uh, of discovery is that hey, this, is, this is an opportunity. Then we started to develop our business plan. And, and from there, we, we founded the company. You said it's a very analytical approach that you took. How do you have to imagine this? Did you then really, you know, go out there and analyze the different market segments, etc.? Or how did you actually validate the idea that you had there? Absolutely. I mean, we had a couple of a couple of ideas for for which we developed the business case, and uh, then we went around. We had some discussions with friends, with people that uh, know the industry and know the industry better, and this really helped us to shape our our plan and uh, to really develop the confidence that this is something that has some legs. And then in your plan, you also have this physical product, the pajamas, basically. So how do you then develop the first prototypes? Because behind your technology, there's also a patented technology. Please tell us a bit more about that. Absolutely. I mean, for us, as I said, none of us comes from, from fashion or textile. So we were very clear that this is, this is a capability we need, to, we need to bring on board. And so one of, one of the next steps in our, in our entrepreneurial journey was to, to find some, some research and development partners. And so we went to, to, to see the, the EMPA. EMPA is a mater- uh, Swiss Federal Institute for Material Science and Technology and, and uh, just shared our ideas and what, what, we, what we thought about bringing function to the sleeper. They, mm-hmm. they got excited uh, about the case and said, hey, we have some, some relevant uh, capabilities. Capabilities uh, in textile are concentrated in St. Gallen. Yeah, so this is the old stronghold of the Swiss textile industry. And so we went there. We found some more people that, uh, that uh, thought this is, a, this is a great idea. And, um, and they said, okay, why don't you do a federally funded uh, KTE project? So we said, okay, it's a, great, it's a great idea. And this then really allowed us to do some, some, some basic, basic research. That this allowed us to really develop some, some fabrics, some knitting structures, knitting technology from, from scratch. And this was really the starting point then for our, for our business. Wow, that, that's, I think, a really great story about how innovation can be put into the market in the end. Absolutely. I mean, again, this goes to, to MBA or not. I mean, obviously, I had no idea about, about textiles, but I had a lot of 
understanding about I mean how to set up a corporate, how to drive innovation, how to set up uh, a company, how to develop distribution strategies, and how to bring this bring this to market. But the, you needed to have the product, and for that we really partnered with 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 Empa. Then we also partnered with uh, Hochschule Lucerne for art and art and design, also with the University of Stockholm uh, for for sleep research. So we really wanted to bring something new, something very innovative to the market. So best from sleep, best from material science, best from from textile ergonomics. So this this was what we tried to combine here. If you you know tell that story, it sounds very easy, but combining all these different aspects and also the different parties, especially with research, etc. That could be also a very challenging thing to do. How do you manage that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for us, the good thing is, and, and this is an advantage of when you start a company when you're a bit older, you have managed some some complex projects, and this was mm-hmm. obviously helpful with the business we we set up because it's 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 hugely complex to set up a, a basically a global supply chain. We had, uh, I mean, we do everything from scratch. So we source, we source from the fiber over the over the yarn to the to the spinning to the finishing to the dyeing to the dyeing to to the to the final garment making. Everything is custom made by us. And as we have five different product lines, we have five different supply chains. So it's it's quite quite complex to to manage. So this helps to have to have worked with with that be, before. Certainly. And then you had the first prototype that came out of that research group, so to speak. What happened afterwards? Because then you still had to put that prototype through testing and then to a potential mass production. So how did you get there? The, the concept we developed relatively quickly. So we understood uh, sleep. Uh, why do we sleep? How could we support our, our sleep needs through innovative functional fabrics? So we had the concept relatively um, fast but then the the problem started because uh, the main problem we had was that we defined uh, for ourselves that we want to do this with natural fibers and while while functionality uh, through synthetic fibers what you what you know from from most sports garments is relatively straightforward doing this with natural fibers is is very complex because natural fibers they are inhomogeneous they they behave very 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 strangely just to give you an, to give you an example, we use uh, merino wool from Uruguay. The merino wool is different depending on the weather. That w- there was in Uruguay was there more rain. The sheep uh, the sheep have uh, eaten more grass or more 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 wet grass than dry grass. So this this changes the property of a, of a garment in the end. And then to really get to a homogeneous concept with natural with fine natural fibers, this was this was the big challenge for us. So it took us probably a year, a year and a half to really have a, a, a product that was, that was stable, that was robust enough to bring to the market. Because with textiles, it's, it's not just having the function, but it's also the expectation from the customers. A product needs to, needs to, needs to be, be robust enough. It needs to be washable. It should be durable. Uh, it should uh, last for at least two years, so be better three to four years. But still, you want to have the, comf- the comfort of what, what we have with our functionality and, and really find, find the right balance, make all the trade-off decisions right. This was a huge uh, challenge for us. Wow, that, that's crazy if you, if you think about that, that journey. You managed all of that together with your co-founder, Katerina, who's also your romantic partner in life. So people wonder, is that a setup that you would recommend to others? <laughs> I think it's, uh, if it works out, it's, it's, it's a great thing to have. Obviously, there are lots of 
challenges anyways uh, by starting your, your your entrepreneurial journey and doing this with, uh, with, with your life partner is, is obviously doubling doubling this up. But for us, it has it has worked extremely well. I mean, we we complementary now in our skills. We also complementary now in our work in our work style. However, we we have good strategic alignment on on our vision on what we want to do, what we want to get out of this business. So this was super super helpful. But anyways, I mean, finding the right the right founding partner is is a challenge. And I mean, why not look uh, further than your med partner? It's a great thing if it works out. And how do you make it work then in, in you know in your daily lives? Do you really have your dedicated areas of responsibility, or what would you recommend there as a setup to make it work, but to also have a good distance between the professional and the personal life, if that's even possible? Well, first is to have some 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 physical distance. I mean, when we started, we started at our at our home, but we have a, we have a two two floor apartment. So I was upstairs, she was downstairs. So this <laughs> this helped us to get. Get some physical uh, physical distance, which is which is also also helpful, because I mean, particularly in the first one and a half years, I mean, before before home office became became home office, we we had home office very 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 intensely, mm-hmm. but we we had always a good split between the roles. I mean, Katarina, she's she's coming from branding and uh, and marketing, so this was mainly mainly her role. I I come from more the operations side, supply chain management uh, was my was my side. I mean, as a partner in a strategy consultant, you are you are sales a salesman anyway. So so I did uh, all the selling, I did all the finance, I did all the investors relation, I, I do all the all the operations functions. This is this is my role. So I I would say Katarina is doing all the fun stuff. I do all the all the back office stuff, but she uh, she challenges that. I, I, I'm sure about that. Do you also have any rules in place where you say, hey, when, when you have dinner, for example, you don't talk about business to keep a healthy balance or is that not even necessary? We try, we try that. It's, it's not easy, but we really try to separate this, uh, this out. So, and, and obviously we make some, some weekends where we say, okay, now we go away. We don't talk, uh, talk business at all. Not always easy to, to maintain, but we, we, we try that uh, pretty strongly. So the efforts are there, but reality somewhere sometimes catches up. Yeah, I mean, starting a business is a seven seven times twenty four um, job. Good thing is your partner is not challenging you when you work overtime and long hours, but but still you you need to have some some delineations. Absolutely. Now let's also talk about the market that you are active in. So the science of sleep is really a big thing these days. You know, there are books that are very popular about that topic. And why should actually people care more about their sleep clothing in the first place instead of just, you know, focusing on the amount of sleep that they get or a good mattress in, in their bed? Why is the sleep clothing really a, a, an important focus area? I think first is to understand why, why, why sleep is so, is so important. And, and it took really a long, a long time for people to, to discover that. I mean, it goes back to when I was in, in consulting, people slept three, four hours a night. Some, some people were really bragging, hey, another, another all-nighter worked work through. And, and it's, it's a great thing. And, and with statements like, wow, you can sleep when you're, when you're dead, stuff like that. It, it, was, it, was, it was popular, popular thinking. In the business elite, uh, sleeping it was, not, was not regarded highly. However, you really see how now there is a paradigm shift. I mean, it comes a bit from the sports, uh, from the sports sector. A lot of athletes that are kind of in the winter of their career, Roger Federer, Ronaldo, Ronaldo Tom, Bray, Tom Brady, 44, and now, now they're retired, but I mean, they were still, these were still top athletes, and they, right. they really took a very strategic approach to, to, to their sleep. 
and this really has helped them to 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 have a long long a very long career and and so sleep is sleep is very important now how to how to get better better sleep i mean there are, there are many many things and some are very very basic uh, is i mean lights out lights out helps uh, because light light on is 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 inhibiting sleep um, noise is not a great thing it's it disturbs your your sleep and then you 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 start working on on the system and the foundation is have have a comfortable mattress but then also also have a good thermal regulation because mm-hmm. again you need to understand how our body is is steering this circadian rhythm the sleep wake cycle and one is one is very much the, the melatonin which is which is driven by by the eternal shift of day of day and night and the other is is temperature so our body needs to lower the temperature the body temperature uh, to signal our body it's now time to sleep, then the temperature f- drops further till uh, around four o'clock in the morning. It starts to it starts to increase again. Then you have multiple shifts during during the night, and and if these cycles are not supported, you have a bad sleep quality. And sometimes you're not you're not even realizing that because you still think, oh, I slept eight hours. But when you look at your at your at your aura, it shows your deep sleep uh, very very low. A very low heart rate variability and these are clear signs that your sleep quality is not as good as it should have been right and there i then guess your products help absolutely. you absolutely absolutely and again it, the multiple products that come together i mean it's 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 a duvet it's a mattress it's it's a room temperature but the pajama the first layer that is on your skin is a super important uh, element I wonder, so now if you see that shift in the market, right? So it's really a big trend and becoming an even more and more important trend. So that certainly helps you, you know, with the timing and that's a great way or a great point to start your business. At the same time, I also wonder, do you still have quite some education to do in the market or with potential clients to sort of convince them that your clothing is actually as important as your mattress or any other parts of what you just mentioned? The good thing is the products actually work. So I mean, we developed, as I said, one and a half years uh, till we had a product. We were convinced it's going it's going to deliver great uh, value in bed, and then when customers actually report this back, this was this was for us super super confirming. So the products are con- are compelling. People that are buying the products are doing are doing our best sales pitches. So from that from that it was it was an easy sale actually to to scale up. Fantastic. And, you know, also, if you look at the sleepwear market, I mean, there are different numbers that you can find online. We looked at the market size in 2019. It was estimated to be worth $10 billion. At the same time, when we did the prep call together, you said, well, sleepwear market, that's just one way of looking at it. Actually, you are active in a way bigger market. So how do you perceive the market that you're in or that you're active in, basically? Yeah. I mean, many people are asking us, oh, I mean, there's so many sleepwear brands around. In, I mean, in in most markets, it's kind of an oligopoly. In Switzerland, you have Kalida and and May. In Germany, you have May and Kalida. In other markets, you have one you have one or two brands. So it's all it's all it's 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 all there. Why why bother with a new brand? Mm-hmm. But we have a very different approach. We are not a textile company. We're not a fashion company. We are, we are a sleep company. So we. We really understand understand sleep. We develop products that help to 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 sleep better. We can we can test this, and this is really what 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 is the market we are in. And this is also how we develop our product portfolio. 
I mean, we have a lot of ideas we can we can develop around the topic of sleep, better better sleep. Till I mean, obviously the next the next uh, developments are now the, the other textiles, bed sheets, bed linens. We have some uh, some uh, fragrances we work on. We have some supplements we work on. There's a lot of a lot of products we can we can add to to our 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 sleeve value proposition. And then if you look at that, then it's not really the sleepwear market in it. Like it's more much more about the self care market. Absolutely, uh, way bigger market that it's, you're active it's, in. It's it's sleep sleepwear. It's self care. It's sleep sleep tech. If you if you if you want even sleep medication, you can say it's it's right. our market because this is our this is our main competitor. I mean people that take sleep medication or have taken sleep medication for for years if you if you can i mean maybe not not at source but at least you can you can work through the symptoms help people to find better sleep in a natural in a natural way without without uh, using using sleep medication it's a great it's a great value yeah could you also imagine then going into more physical products like creating your own mattress or creating a software an app to help you sleep better in that regard I mean, a couple of um, products we have in our portfolio at the moment where we have we have some developments uh, going. I mean, yes, mattress is definitely the topic we we look into. Software sensor sensors is is an interesting topic as well. However, you also need to be clear that you cannot do everything or not everything at once. Right. And and for a, for a startup, it's also super important to to set priorities and also decide what what you're not going to do or not going to do now. Yeah. And before you also mentioned that the textile industry per se is a very competitive market, a very competitive landscape to be active in. So how do you actually differentiate from already existing products out there? I think it's really our understanding of, of, of sleep and have products that help our body to, to sleep better. So yes, we, we, use, we use textiles, but textiles are mostly... A mean to an end. This, are, this is not not the end for us, and I think this is really what uh, what differentiates us. Also important is that we test we test everything. So every claim we make, everything you read on our on our website is actually proven. There's there's evidence, there's science behind. And again, this is very different to fashion or textile brands. And an additional important trend that we see uprising is basically the importance of sustainability, but also circular economy. What role does that play for you to also differentiate from other competitors, but also just to serve the market the right way? Yeah. I mean, this is one of the reasons why we decided to go with natural fibers right from the beginning, because it's just a very different uh, jump off point. I mean, when you have synthetic fibers, it's all, it's all oil based. Yes, you can say it's, 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 uh, it's recycled or regenerated, but the origin is still, is still oil. And we said we want to do natural fibers. It's it's important one. We want to use natural fibers that can be sustainably produced. So again, this was a decision then against cotton, which has a very poor uh, CO2 footprint. Normally, it's not produced where where you need it. Uh, there's a lot of irrigation needed. There's a lot of water needed for for cotton. And so this is why we we then decided to go with with botanic fibers, which are grown grown in in Europe. So this was a, a first very important uh, decision for us. And and then we, we optimize everything constantly with sustainability in mind. There are a couple of things you cannot do yet because because the technologies are are not there yet. But it's uh, every small peer, parcel piece counts. So this year we now we now use some some uh, some new packaging material. We lower, we lower the transportation uh, footprint of our product. So there are a lot of things we can do. But this is a, this is a journey. 
right? What, what's one thing that you wish was already possible today in that regard? You're not getting, with, with products that, that um, provides a lot of comfort, you still need some, some, some elastics in. And we say, and elastics are so far just polyamides. So these are, these are synthetic fibers. We always make sure this is not more, not more than 5, 6%, but you need this to have, to have the retractability of the, of the products. And this is still something we would like to, to, to eliminate, to really have a, a, a product that's 100% natural fibers. And this is something we work on. There are now some solutions coming, coming to the market. We are on the forefront. We're experimenting with that and find, find some technical solutions, hopefully in the next uh, 18 months. Fantastic. At the same time, another big challenge can be how to acquire new clients. So I wonder, how do you solve that with your company? Obviously, you sell direct to the consumer through your own online shop. How do you actually get new clients? How do you acquire them? Do you do a lot of performance marketing or do you use resellers and partners? What's your take there? I mean, this is, again, the nice thing of starting a business now. now. I mean, you have so great opportunities to start a business digital first. And this is a decision we, we took right from the beginning. We said we want to go global and we want to go, go digital right from the beginning. And even today, I mean, we have now some, some wholesale partners, but not more than 90% of the business comes through, through direct, uh, direct channels. And there, obviously, uh, the whole performance marketing plays, plays a big role, but we're also great in SEO. We have a lot of, a lot of repeat customers. We have a lot of uh, loyalists, people that, that recommend uh, the products to their friends, to their family, buying, us, uh, buying 20, 30 sets in one year it's 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 amazing huh? and this is obviously the beauty of of the direct uh, channels and in that regard i wonder you probably also faced the decision to decide what do you do yourself and what do you outsource or let other partners do i i could imagine especially on the whole logistics part but also on the performance marketing and marketing part in general you have to make decisions in that regard so what do you actually do yourself and where do you say hey it's better to outsource that and to let someone else run the show there yeah. Ultimately, we have two capabilities which are core to our business. One is one is product innovation or fabric uh, fabric innovation, and the other one is digital marketing. So these are the core functions. We say we need to uh, build them ourselves. We need to do it ourselves, and we need to be better than anybody else in these in these uh, functions. While the rest is is outsourceable, and and we we cont- uh, continuously do that, and we have uh, relatively. Uh, early on outsourced uh, the logistics and the warehousing we have outsourced the finance we have outsourced at least partially the customer service functions we have so this this is what we have done very early on we tried and experimented a bit with agencies on the performance marketing side some some are good some good experiences some not so good experiences and we constantly evaluate what are we doing in-house what and what not and there's never there's never a final decision on that and from, from the outside perspective, it seems like you can actually, you know, build a very big business with a very lean and small team. So in that regard, you build a leverage with technology innovation, but also then with the performance marketing leverage to acquire clients, while everything else is just scaling up as, as you go, basically. Is that the a right assessment? Definitely. And and again, this is so nice. What you can do today, you could not have done five or or 10 years ago. I mean, our first web shop we built, we built on a Shopify platform. The first customization cost us 2000 US dollars and we were alive and we had a global, a global distribution model where we could fulfill orders to customers wherever they came, 
from. I mean, things like that. Five years ago, it would have cost you 10 million if, if it would have been even possible. And now you can do this as a small, as a small company. And, and as, uh, as I said, we, we decided very early on to go, to go global and, and really acquire, acquire customers wherever they are. I mean, we focus on, on five core markets, but, but I mean, Germany, US, UK, Canada were strategic markets for us early on, and you can do that. And how do you exactly do that from the logistical part? I mean, you still have a physical product to ship, and from Switzerland, it's not always that easy because of customs and everything. So how do you exactly solve that? Because going international can be a challenge if you have a physical product. Yeah, we have um, decided to have two warehouses right from the beginning. One is in Switzerland for the Swiss market and one is in, in Austria, actually, for, for the global market. So everything, everything with the exception of Switzerland. Obviously, Switzerland being part of the EU is, is, is complex and cumbersome. But as an e-com business, you need to make sure that your, your customer experience is seamless. And I mean, I mean, everybody knows that from personal experience. You buy a nice product, it's delivered, you're, you're happy, and then two days later you get a custom invoice for a 30 francs handling fee, 5 francs, five francs uh, VAT, and it's not, it's not nice. And then you make a purchase once, but not a second time. And so for us as a business, we need to be seamless, we need to be top in, in, in the customer experience, and this is why I have this, this rather complex uh, warehousing setup. Do you have any other services or you know distribution channels, whatever you work on, that you put in other markets that you don't have, you know, sort of here in Switzerland? I mean, customer service is now is now a complete, uh, completely global model. I mean, customer service team is now built of a team in Switzerland, a team in the Netherlands, a team in Bulgaria, and a team in Pakistan. So to one one really have some 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 lower costs for standardized services, but also cover cover seven times twenty four. Fantastic, and then let's take the U.S. market as an example because that's probably the biggest one that you're active in. How do you then go about you know marketing and everything there? Do you just do run the ads here from Switzerland together with your partners, or do you also have any local presence in the U.S. to take care of the local market? No, we do it all from from Switzerland, but yeah. but basically, whenever we go in the market, we have three uh, uh, strategic thrusts. One is PR, and really focusing on on earned PR. So really, go out, go out, and get some coverage on on the technology, on the innovation, on on sleep. And there are lots of stories we can we can we can play, and we get a lot of coverage. I mean, we were in I mean, in, in basically all the all the media can think of. Uh, we were in Forbes, we were in Bloomberg, we were, we were in, on TV stations, so we really had a great coverage in, in the in the US. The second uh, thrust is is uh, partner partnerships. So we want to have in every market some some trusted trusted uh, stores on the ground just to offer offer customers the, the opportunity to touch the product. Uh, Physically, but then the third thrust is obviously digital uh, digital marketing, where we can scale up through through nice uh, campaigns. Well, I, I like that model a lot. So let's dive in a bit deeper. The first part, PR. How do you generate that? Did you work with any agencies, or how can you actually get features in so many well-known newspapers and media outlets? Yes, here we decided to to uh, engage some some agencies because PR is is, is strongly network uh, networking driven. So you need to have a good local uh, network with uh, with local press, local journalists. You need to hear the grass, the grass growing. Uh, where, where is a nice, a nice uh, story evolving around sleep? And you need to have somebody that is really slotting, slotting in and making, making the connections. And here we worked with, with agencies in the US, in the UK, 
in the other markets we do it ourselves. Okay. And the story, I guess, there is really way more about the sleep and why sleep is so important instead of pitching your product. So it's much more the expert or the experience, the knowledge share instead of just purely pitching your product, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a constant pitching, pitching and a constant variation of the of the pitches that is needed. Obviously, PR, PR. I mean, once once you're out with your story and you have you explained the products, you, you're you're done. Huh? But right. you, this is not enough because you need to constantly have have the story uh, story out. And so you need to think about or have an agency in that in that uh, case to think about new stories, new new angles they they can pitch. Yeah. And obviously for us, we, we constantly develop stories. I mean, we work with with some as some athletes. So, um, for example, we 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 now the uh, the uh, provider of sleepwear for Swiss national ice case for for the teams that went to to the Olympics, for the men and for and for and for the women. So these are great great PR relevant stories, and, and we have testimonials from 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 the from the coach from the from the trainer. This helps to to generate uh, good momentum. Then we have new products, we have new launches, we have new we have new uh, new features, and this and, and so we have a constant flow of of stories that is that is powering into market. Um, not everything is picked up by the press, but some some are. Often it's quite a random a random <laughs> pattern. But uh, but if you if you really have a strategic approach, you you get a lot out of it. So in that regard, PR is not something that you just do at the beginning to launch a new market. It's really a constant activity that you follow through. Absolutely. And it's also one of the keys for for SEO rankings because right. through through good PR you get you got valuable uh, backlinks. The backlinks again help you to to generate PR to help uh, generate momentum. You you get you get good uh, good uh, good uh, incremental searches where you don't have to pay for. Exactly. Then the second point you mentioned is the physical distribution with local partnerships with local shops. How do you identify them and how difficult is it to convince them to you know list and show your product? It's getting easier and easier. Obviously, at the beginning, you're, uh, nobody, know, nobody knows you, nobody knows the concept. But now, but now we, I mean, there's not a single day where we don't get contacted by potential distribution partners who say, hey, I've, I've seen your products, I like your concept. I've heard of somebody that has been using your products. And, and and they're reaching out to us and say, hey, can, hey, can we stock your, your products? So it's now really, really shifting. That has not been like that uh, all the, all the time. So it's now really uh, on on us to to be selective because you also don't want to work with everybody. It's complicated and 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 cumbersome cumbersome sometimes. So we really want to have a strategic uh, approach when we work with partners. And how do we evaluate if it's worth to collaborate with a store or not? In the end, it's 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 an alignment on on many things. It's an alignment on 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 the brand, on the brand, on the philosophy, on the products, on the on the customer audiences. For us, it's always a question: Can we reach out incremental customer segments, which we can not not uh, through our through our other other channels? And then it's and then it's interesting for us. For us, it's also important. I mean, we are a premium brand. Uh, the product costs costs two hundred francs, so we need to have somebody that has this kind of audience in the in the store. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, it will be a complete mismatch. Absolutely. Yeah. Then the third point you mentioned is, of course, the performance marketing part. So you do that here from Switzerland. And I wonder, I, I can imagine that you cannot use the same ads here in Switzerland as you can use in the US. So you probably also have to adapt for the local markets. How do you exactly do that? I mean, point, 
One is, is the language uh, capability, and and we decided to to do Germany and or German and and English languages as as two full verticals because mm-hmm. because the language in itself is 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 complex. It's it's not just we we need to have the website in English. It's everything. Huh? You need to to have I mean dynamically make make it the updates, have the performance marketing, have the campaigns, have the PR, have the have the customer service in the in the language and and also in and also in German. This is also, for example, the reason why we have stayed away from all the languages. Huh? I mean, we 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 also wanted to be in Sweden. I mean, we have a Swedish brand name, but right. Sweden has never been an attractive market. Also, never been big enough to to merit a a a, a sweet a Swediceization of the of the website. If you if you want. So yeah, that's a, another layer of complexity that you can add there yes. with the languages of the local markets. Yes, and we master two languages, and this is this is good enough good enough for us. We also, I mean, the team is very international. I mean, we have now twenty people, fifteen nationalities. So English is is really the the corporate language, and we we can also with that understand the play through through the nuances. I mean, we have now a, a lady from the U.S. that is that is kind of doing the U.S. performance marketing. Right. We have somebody from the U.K. as well. So it's really the subtleties really really matter. Yeah, and that really is important to you know to have the local market connections to then also make the right ads. Absolutely, absolutely. Just a, just a, a fun a fun anecdote. Sure. I mean, as as coming from Switzerland, you you and, and having a, a scientific background in the in the in the products, we always come with numbers and facts and figures. Yeah. So when we when we explain to our PR PR guy in the in the US what we what we're doing, he he listened to us and said, Andreas. You're doing the world's most comfortable pajamas, right? <laughs> this is obviously we would never we would never have dared to say that. Of but course. in the U, in the US, it's, it's very clear. You you need to be bold and unafraid, and you need to stand for that. And and so you need really need, really need to adjust this to to the language, to the culture, and 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 this is sometimes difficult if you're not really local. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great anecdote that you just shared there. And I can also imagine here in Switzerland, it's probably easier to convince people with know statistics and really like studies while in the u.s i'm not the expert but i could imagine it's way more about the story and you know the the, the really the story and the feeling that you can share with people exactly. there yeah amazing and one other part that i was also wondering about what channel is actually working best for you these days on performance marketing is it still like instagram or do you also experiment with new channels that drive the most traffic to your page I mean, it's a constant evolution and, and a constant shift in the in the channels. I mean, Facebook, Insta is still the the biggest one for us, but uh, Pinterest uh, is is becoming intri- increasingly important. LinkedIn is important. We have now started with TikTok, which is which is a nice it's a nice acquisition target. You're you're seeing you can you can reach out to to the younger younger audiences, and so you I mean you again the channels are constantly evolving. What worked uh, 12 months ago does not work uh, today any longer. So we really need to, to adapt and adjust. Great. And where do you actually get the most traffic from? Is it the US or is it another market that out of your five core markets? Switzerland is on sales still the largest the largest uh, market. On traffic, it's now Switzerland, Germany and, and the US. They are more, more or less equal. And do you plan to shift that more towards the US or what's your goal there? Absolutely. I mean, we, we just recently looked at the addressable markets and and the rest about defined by demographics and and income and there you see it i mean the us is by far the the largest market for for our products and so definitely this is a market we can scale and we won't scale great so 
Let's talk about the future then. Um, as you mentioned, you've already been featuring numerous well-known media companies like The Guardian, CNN, Forbes, Wired, and many others. So of course, now we all ask ourselves, what's going to be next for Daxman? What's going to be next for you? What do you have planned for the next month? I mean, we are we, we see great, uh, great uh, growth opportunities for for our uh, brand uh, going forward, and in all in all dimensions. I mean, we can we can go into the mar into different markets. We just got the first uh, request from a Chinese uh, partner recently, so this is now something we we start to to explore. Would not have been on our agenda, but sometimes you also need to be quite uh, quite opportunistic. For so the whole Asian Asian market, Japan Japan is is a great opportunity for for us. On the products, as talked earlier, we have some great ideas on 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 new products. We going we going to add. I cannot talk about everything because we have some some really nice things uh, we're going to launch in the next couple of months. Customer segments. I mean, we launched a a maternity range, a baby range recently. Again, we go we go really from let's say the, the core the core uh, thirty five to fifty five. We now venture out. We make uh, solutions for for younger people, for older people. So really, on the customer segments, we can we can drive a lot of a lot of momentum. Channels. Uh, last year, we started with our first pop up store. It was it was a great success. This is also a model we we definitely going to 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 scale up. Uh, Omnichannel is is a, is a big word, but we really see the potential for us coming from the digital side. Really go go into the physical stores. Fantastic! And I also wonder now with all that that you have in the pipeline, if tomorrow a company comes around the corner and wants to acquire Duxmian, what would you do? I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's always good to talk, but uh, I mean, we we're not here to uh, to sell to sell uh, the company. At the moment, I mean, we, we took some investors on board, so this is always, always an option when you when you do that. But I mean, as long as we we are in hyper growth mode, we we and we believe we are the best owners for the job, and everybody else believes we're the best owner for the job, we're going to continue. So you're open for conversations, but it's not on your roadmap yet. It's not on our roadmap at the moment, no. So to end this conversation, we have two last parts that we would like to ask you more about. The first one is resources and gadgets recommendations. So. Are there any books or podcast blogs that you can recommend to our listener? Except, of course, the Daxmian. Everything is on there. our is on our website. Read our blogs, and you you know everything about sleep. No, there are a couple of things I would I would recommend. I mean, there's one book uh, from Matthew Walker, "Why We Sleep," is yeah. basically the best book on 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 sleep, in my view. Well, one one that you can you can understand. I mean, every every new employee that joins our company is getting this book this book on the table because this nice. is why we sleep. This is this is where it all comes together. Yeah, wonderful. So this is a good thing. I think that also. I mean, you you're wearing an an aura ring to to measure your sleep. I mean, this is a great a great way to to get a get a grip on your sleep on your sleep pattern, understand why you sleep well, why why you not sleep well. There's a lot you can learn through through gadgets like that. So it's all sleep focused. I like that. Absolutely. Shows the importance. Absolutely. So for the very last part, we prepared some rapid fire question for you. So I either give you different options to choose from or a short question and you have to answer in one sentence. You ready? Good. Side sleeper, belly sleeper or back sleeper? I used to be a belly sleeper, but now I retrain myself to be a side sleeper. Hard mattress or soft mattress? Very hard mattress. Okay. How much sleep is the perfect amount of sleep for you? It's uh, seven and a half hours plus minus five minutes. <laughs> nice. How many hours of sleep did you get last night? I got uh, six hours and 35. Okay. 
what do you do during the last half hour of your waking day? Well, I try to to really wind down the, the last half hour, do some yoga, read a book, uh, do not not uh, not a lot. So this is what I try to do, at least. And really staying away from the screen. Absolutely. Uh, That's a key. What is your favorite item of your own you know, product lines? I like them all. <laughs> no, actually, I, I'm a big fan of the Merino line. I love Merino. It's such, it's such a nice uh, fabric, it's such a nice product. Also the sourcing, where we source is from. I mean, no, I know the people uh, on the sheep farm in Uruguay, very nice people. I, I just love this product. Yeah, there's also the emotional Absolutely. story behind it. So yeah. great one. Andreas, these were all my questions for today. Thank you so much for joining us and all the best of luck and success for the future. Pleasure. Huh? Thanks a lot. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, you can support us by rating our show on Apple Podcasts. This way, we can reach an ever-growing number of aspiring entrepreneurs.